Yes, indeed, there's a war. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that even in this chaos and in the war, that all things work together for good and that you have your plan. And so we're asking, Father, that you would encourage the hearts of each one today not to grow weary in well-doing or, in, or faint as the day gets long or as the, as the crazy comes, but that we will trust in you, rest in you. Lord God, you said you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You are the truth. All the rest of it is a false narrative and, and a fable, a fair, fairy tale, and mythology. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And may people know that. And may they rest in the fullness of that. And may we be assured of that because we know faith is not a try to figure it out kind of thing. Faith is knowing, resting on your promise that you cannot lie. So I pray that you'd open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to understand what we're going to talk about today, and that you'd give us hope and encouragement, Father God. We bind the powers of darkness that have come against this earth to to lay waste to the people of God, but we know that you are faithful to complete and keep your people so that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken, no plagues, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. So keep us by the power of your word, your promise, your Holy Spirit, and your love. Amen. Well, at the time of this broadcast, we're in a period of waiting yes, uh, worldwide. We are. Mm-hmm. People are waiting for the to see what's going to happen. Yeah, to see what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, waiting for, for to uh, open up the stores again. Yeah, when when can I get back to work? When can I get out of my house? Mm-hmm. When will things go back to normal? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We think Lots of that of in in life, we spend a lot of time waiting. In general, yes, we it's do. It's a little more accentuated right now. But here are some statistics. <laughs> Someone came up with this. How much time of an average life is spent waiting? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'm glad they put the, their waiting to good use. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, in other words, we spend, uh, people that ride the bus or train spend an average of 20 minutes a day waiting. Uh, waiting for the bus? Waiting for the bus oh. or the train. Uh, 30, I don't think school kids wait 20 minutes. I think they no, kind of they, very they, barely they, catch they, it. They, they, they probably barely catch it. They <laughs> run to catch it, you know. Yeah. But anyway, um, we spend, uh, if you visit the doctor, you usually wait an average of 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, 28 minutes in security lines when you travel, like at the airport. Oh, you can't, 28, double that, I'd say. Now. I would say yeah, that's pretty like, conservative. That's very, yeah, very conservative. Yeah, very conservative. Um, and here's another one, uh, 21 minutes for a sig- waiting for a significant other to get ready to go out. Really? Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know about that either. So we just <laughs> Maybe don't that know poor guy married a slowpoke or she married a slowpoke. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, something like that. Uh, 13 hours, uh, we, we had an average of 13 hours a year waiting on hold for customer service. Now, that's a possibility. That's, uh, that might be too conservative. <laughs> yeah, right? it's a good thing they... Uh... And uh, 38 hours each year waiting in traffic. In other words, where you're basically slow and almost yeah, totally I get slowed it. down yeah. or stopped. And uh, and so in, and if, you, if you live in a big city, yeah. you spend about 50 hours 
waiting in traffic annually. That would be just basically At the stoplights? That's basically Yeah, stopped. and now you can wait five to ten minutes in the line just to get into a grocery store so you can, you know, clean right, off your right. old ma- emails and, you know, delete right. your ma- bad photos. Yeah, <laughs> maintain your social distance. And then, and then it's, it's said here that there's about 37 billion hours, this is in America, 37 billion hours a year waiting in line somewhere. For something. For oh, something, wow. yeah. And then six months of, you know, you spend six months of your life waiting in line for something. Um, and 43 <laughs> days on hold in your life. 43 days waiting for automated customer service, right? And Depends uh, on how life, long yeah, your life yeah, is, I suppose. And, so. and, so, and uh, Average life. Yeah, so it's like their life is... Full of waiting in line. Life carries I think they forgot to put it, the, the waiting in line and the checkout line. <clears throat> That's a lot of waiting, too. <clears throat> you know, that's the most annoying waiting. But you can also have a thing, other, a substitute thing in mind when you're waiting. You can have something to do. Um, you can pray. You can delete your old photos off your phone. You can, you know, what? there's a lot of things you can do. Well, yeah. <clears throat> so you don't waste your time. But what we want to get into today is the waiting and what waiting on the Lord means, waiting. Waiting for the Lord. For the Lord, on the Lord. Now, we, we have a lot of... Yeah, we've been waiting for him for a long time. It's interesting. <laughs> uh, there's a context here. There was a king, uh, of, of a, quite a wicked king in, in Syria, years and years ago at the time of Elisha. And uh, he said in... Uh, this, this is a very desperate situation. There's, there's famine. No uh, people are eating their own children. I mean, it's a desperate, desperate situation. Uh, and he says, while he was talking with them in, in 2 Kings six thirty three, while he was still talking with them, there was a messenger coming down to him saying, and, and then the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. So he's getting more and more bad news, bad news, bad news. It's horrible. It's, mm-hmm, situa- mm-hmm. it's just desperate beyond desperate beyond desperate. And the king says this, why should I wait for the Lord any longer? And that's what we want to talk about today. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? And exactly what does it mean to wait on the Lord or wait for the Lord? Uh, we think of the situation, uh, the example of Isaiah uh, forty thirty one. We It's quoted a lot in Christian circles. I mean, though they that wait upon the Lord... Shall renew their, their strength. And that, does that mean sit around <clears throat> twiddle our thumbs? You just, oh, well, Lord, when are you going to do something? You're so well, pokey. Says, There's a promise to that waiting. They that wait upon the Lord sh- shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. So there is a rest. There is a strengthening that comes out of waiting when you're mm-hmm. waiting on the Lord. Yeah. And basically, <clears throat> the, the word wait there means to expect. It's not just you're sitting around. You're anticipating. You're expecting the Lord to do something great. And like Marjorie said, the, there is a renewing of strength. Uh, you will mount up with wings like eagles, will run and not be weary, will walk and not faint. Why is that? Why can we keep going with with endurance, with strength, with courage, with joy? Because we waited on the Lord. Be, because we, we're expecting the Lord. We're, we're not, we know that he's not going to disappoint us. All right. Sometimes we get disappointed in our waiting because the answers that we 
we cry out for are seem to be delayed, or the answers are um, different than what we'd hoped for. Well, I believe a lot of people um, get exhausted because they don't wait upon the Lord, because their attention deficit hyperactivity, they go here, they go there, they do this, they try that, and nothing happens, nothing is conclusive, nothing finishes. And so it's exhausting to be dissatisfied with spending your whole day going back and forth. And so waiting upon the Lord actually has a benefit to it in that you can actually be renewed in your strength. Your mind can be calmed down. You can refocus, kind of restart the systems according to faith and trust. But the problem, too, with waiting as you you wait upon the Lord to renew their strength, there's not many people that really do that. They're so driven to perform, to keep going, to prove to finish, to accomplish something that they will not give themselves. They will not take the risk of waiting upon the Lord, sitting down, waiting, spending time with God, seeking his counsel. They get up and they run. And in the morning, we get up and we run. We were running late already. We slept in. We got to get to work. We don't give any time to that precious opportunity to so wait. In 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 our haste to do things, and mm-hmm. oh, we got to do something. Mm-hmm. We got to make it happen. We got to go, 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 yeah, go, we're go. Very so, so basically, we we're going in our strength. We're going to wear out right. fast. That's right. But when you expect the, from the Lord, you're going to renew your strength. You're going to basically the word there means exchange your strength For instead of your strength, mm-hmm. you know, which fails. Our strength is weak in it. Weakness. Paul says. My strength uh, is made perfect in, in weakness. weakness. In my, when in I am my... weak, then I am strong. Because when I am weak in myself, then I am strong in the Lord, Ephesians 6, and in the power, power of, of his, his might. might. So, and, Do we and... believe this, though? This is the problem. Everything God has given to us is a promise based on him, based on his word, based on what he can do, based on his hope for us, his goal and ultimate uh, blessing of us. Well, and yet we have to believe it. And a lot of times, you know, when we're waiting, we get weary. Our faith fails. The king got tired of waiting. What am I going to do now? You know, everything's so bad. How's God going to pull this off? Well, actually, the end of that story is very cool because God pulled it off in such an unusual Within way. Within 24 hours. Yeah. It was like... The situation changed. It was a mighty... It was so mighty. It was such a mighty act of God when um, the angel... I think Wasn't that where the angel came down and slayed all the, the enemies? The, the enemy soldiers had plenty of food in their camp, and they had laid siege to the king's um, fortresses mm-hmm. in Syria, Damascus, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And um, so the king was all pulling out his hair. People were eating themselves and killing one another and freaking out inside of the the, t- the citadel, inside the city. But on the outside, the armies, their tables were full, 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 full of food. I mean, there was a lot of them there. There's like 180, 200,000 people, soldiers outside their gate, waiting to pounce on them, just waiting for them to get weak enough to die inside so they could take it with ease. But anyway, what happened is I th- that night, I believe, in, God sent an angel, one mm-hmm. angel, and that one angel killed 185,000 people. They were dead. So these four little beggar guys that were sitting in between the city and the army, kind of in no man's land, get up and say, we're dying. Let's go see if the if the soldiers will give us something, you know, because they weren't going to go back in the city because they knew there was no food there. So they went to the soldiers, but to find the soldiers all dead. Mm-hmm. So they began to, you know, pick through the spoils and the food, and they were just stuffing themselves. And they said, whoa, 
wait a minute, there's a whole city of our guys over there that are starving. Let's go tell them. So the city came out and plundered the, the dead soldiers that the angel had killed the night before, and that was the miracle, the way God provided. Wasn't that cool? Yeah, it, it, it happened. So things could change so quickly. And from when God's in the totally, equi- equation, yeah. When things were so desperate, and how it, from desperation and starvation to abundance in within 24 hours. Yeah. And this was the, you know, it was the Syrians that were besieging the city of Samaria. And, and the message came, and the word of the Lord came. And, uh, and, and then the, it comes through Elijah the officer, or something. Yeah. The officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God. That was Elijah. He said, he said within Elisha, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God. This is the word of the Lord. So there's a desperate, there's a desperate situation. There's bad reports. There's fake news. There's lies, and then there's the word of the Lord. And then there's the man of God, who and hears the, the word of the Lord. And, the, and Elisha said, "Hear the word of the Lord." Thus says the Lord. Mm-hmm. This is in Second Kings seven one. Tomorrow, about this time, in other words, within twenty four hours, hours uh, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. In other words, there's going to be abundance. Mm-hmm. And the the uh, the guy, uh, the Basically, the right-hand man of the king said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, how could this be? I mean, Skepticism, how, scoffing, how can this be? Unbelief. Uh, we don't think this Practically, could, this is th- impossible. This, this is impossible. And Elisha said, well, you're going to see it with your eyes, but you're not going to eat of it. In other words, you're going to end up being dead. And mm-hmm. part of it was... You know, the, yeah, he got trampled in the gate when the people. He got trampled, he got in, the trampled gate in the gate when, when the, the people were the running people over to came, get the food. Came for, came for the food. So, so waiting uh, and it, hearing the word from the man of God too. And the Lord spoke to the man of God, who in that case was Elijah, I believe, Elisha. Elisha I believe yes. that there's also men of God who have spoken over us. And it's very interesting how these men, some of them, are now prophets who are dead, who were in the midst of us even several years ago who are now speaking and have spoken of things to come. And it's those things are actually coming to pass just the way they said. And, um, you know, if you pay attention, you'll see that God is always sent his prophets to tell ahead of time what's going on. So the people of God who are listening to the men of God will know what to do. But going back to the waiting part, you know, the creation waits. Romans eight eighteen says that all creation um, groans and, and travails. Um, he says, well, it starts out with verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because um, the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, that's the birds, the, 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 the ducks, the doves, the, the, the whales, the stars and the planets. The li- yeah, the lions. Everybody is groaning in a place, living in a place of, of, of sub-level uh, existence. You know, they're putting up with pain and, and, and you know, preying upon one another and eating one another and fighting and groaning and, and tra- travailing. Um, he says, for we know that the whole creation groans and travails, labors with birth pains, pangs together until now. Now, those birth pangs, 
you think, well, we're here, we're all here. What are we having giving birth to? We're giving birth to the new world order, and that new world order is God's divine kingdom descending upon earth or coming to earth or transforming earth or however it's going to look. But it is God's divine order that's coming. The mankind process, we're trying to get a global this and that, new world order, perfect uh, control, uh, perfect monitoring, perfect identification of everybody, knowing all people on the planet, who they are and where they are and what we're going to do with them if we don't like them. And all of this demonic rule, rulership is going to be replaced by the grace of God, the kingdom of God, the glory of Jesus Christ. The true world order is coming. Yeah, the God. There's a false yeah. world order that's in, in the, in in the process making. right mm-hmm. now. That they've worked on for a long time. It's going to be crushed. Mm-hmm. And the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms Hallelujah. of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever, forever and, and ever. ever. Amen. So the, uh, we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Mm. We're waiting for the creation is, um, it is, in, is in pain. And one of the things, too, about uh, waiting by definition, mm-hmm. it, it speaks of waiting with some pain. One one um, right endurance. One word mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, it means like a piercing. While you're waiting, there's like a piercing. There's or a, a purifi- purifying too, because, a purifying because our faith is being purified. On. In it, yeah, yeah, it says um, uh, Psalm thirty-seven seven: Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for, for Him. him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because yeah. of the man who brings wicked mm-hmm. schemes to pass. Mm-hmm. So the, there's so many wicked schemes going on in our world now, but we are at and the that place brings pain. Where, yeah, that does bring that, pain. That, that is pain. It hurts to see well people people's lives well, because, being destroyed you know, and and this is not our home. Ways. This is the problem. You see, we're on a journey. And it's like, I know some of you in school, you probably had to read the Iliad and the Odyssey. It's basically the journey of this, or the story of this guy on his journey home from a war or whatever he was. I can't remember all the details, but that just, you know, so he's on his journey. And the journey is filled with all kinds of horrible uh, encounters, events, um, uh, battles, uh, things to set him, uh, destroy him, to keep him from reaching his final destination. And this world, this life is the same way. We are destined for the throne. We're destined for the king to be returned home, to return home. But with the problem with this journey, the one thing that is a problem about this journey that the guy in the Iliad didn't have a problem, I think it was Homer, whatever his name is, didn't have a problem with was he knew he was on a journey. He knew he had a home and he knew he wanted to go back to it. And we start out on this journey not having a clue who we are, where we're coming from. We're children, we're babies, we're infants. And all we, we do is pick up what's kind of the information that's laying around, whether you get good information or bad from your family or you get beat up and kicked to the curb or you get indoctrinated in some false ideology or you actually get a touch or taste of the gospel of Jesus Christ in some perverted or abbreviated or counterfeit form or maybe sometimes once in a while you get prayer, word of God. But people are on a journey. You're on a journey. You are on a journey. And the most important first thing to know about that is that you are on a journey. There's, this isn't a haphazard, a ho, hum, who cares? We don't know what's going to happen. doesn't matter. We're just accidents and coming out of primordial slime and doesn't matter who we are. We are on a specific journey. And in that process of waiting, there is pain. There is deliberate uh, dis- direction. There is a matter. It's, this is a matter of faith. It's a matter of knowing. It's, you know, with waiting comes disappointment. You have expectations and you get disappointed. 
there's some descriptions here of some serious disappointment and pain in uh, Micah chapter 7, beginning with verse 5. Do not trust in a friend. Do not put your confidence in a companion. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your bosom. I mean, you know, for a son dishonors father, daughter rises against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Now, Jesus said that would be the case mm-hmm. for those who are trusting him in these days. And then verse 7, Therefore I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Mm-hmm. So He's a, the only one we can trust. Right, right. And it's not, I mean, certainly there are people that are more trustworthy than others, but he's just saying here is like, if you're trusting in, in, in human relationships, if mm-hmm. you're trusting in human affirmation, human comforts, uh, you're going to be disappointed. He says, uh, because all the, he says, I know how all these human relationships are, are, are failing or will fail or can fail. I'm going to put my trust, I'm going to put my expectation in the Lord. In the Lord. But the itself. thing is, putting our expectation in the Lord is not a passive a deal because we know that the enemy, there is an enemy who hates God, hates us, and his one goal and objective is to separate us from the love of God. And so the waiting becomes a test, a trial. It's the trying of our faith, if you will, because we are being tempted by the way things look, by the experiences we've had. Um, by the fear in our heart to be disappointed, um, be afraid. Um, and when things don't turn out the way we want them to, we almost get like that king. We become bitter and say, well, you know, why should I wait on God any longer? Mm-hmm. And so God has also told us about this. He said, don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season you will reap if you do not faint. Mm-hmm. He says, don't, um, you know, uh, despair because the master of the house is delaying his coming as Jesus talked about in uh, Luke. But he says, so waiting is really the hardest part of every trial because in that lull, in that time, you can do something or you can do nothing or the enemy can put lots of fear in your in your mind and heart. So faith is the, you know, Abraham believed God and it was appointed to him for righteousness. So faith is what? What is faith? You said the word trust, Jerry. Faith is Trust, trusting in the in the word of God, trusting that God is good for his word, that he does not lie. And so um, faith, you know, if you if you if your faith is uh, vulnerable and exposed to the attack of the enemy, and if we're still holding on to that faith and dispensing faith from our souls, from our mind, you know, we go to our soul, we go to our mind, we go to our heart to try to see how much faith we've got left or how it's working and how it's how it's doing faith um, that is steeped with in your, in your mind, your mind is steeped with doubt. So faith that is uh, coming out of the soul out, out of the mind is going to be steeped with doubt because the mind can only think it's going to be, be um, burdened down with, with uh, skepticism and jadedness being, um, being programmed and controlled by the experiences we've had, which probably are a lot of disappointment and failure and distrust and actually, we don't realize it, but our soul is being de- programmed and controlled by the body of death. So faith that comes out of your heart will come out of fear. Faith that's coming out of your mind will come out of doubt. The only place faith can flourish is in your spirit. And there, faith does not have to be figured out or, or pondered because faith in your spirit is knowing. It's already known. You already know that 
God does not lie. You know that. You've been built to know that. So don't tell me you don't know that. You do know that. You say, well, I don't know. Well, I ask you then, who said to you, who says, who speaks into your mind, I don't know. Is that the Holy Spirit asking you that question? I don't think so. We're supposed to be following the Holy Spirit. And so faith that comes out of your spirit is based on a solid foundation. And that foundation is the word of God. And that never changes. If you built your house on a floating foundation, on a sinking foundation, on a shifting foundation, you would have a pretty wrecked house very quickly. But our foundation is the word of God. God does not lie. Therefore, I don't have to have faith anymore in my faith or hope I have faith or see how much faith I have because I already know, K-N-O-W, that God doesn't lie. So knowing trumps faith, so to speak, because knowing is knowing. I already know it. I don't have to try to figure it out and hope it's going to be okay. So I can go with God's word and God says, and you know, the cool thing is all of what God says comes to pass. Yeah. In Psalm 106, there's there's a little history there about the children of Israel. You know, they were in the bondage in Egypt for, uh, they were there a total of about 430 years. And uh, basically, you know, God did all these miracles, released them. They rebelled, even though even after they had been released from Egypt, uh, in verse 10, it says, He saved them from the hand of him who hated him. He hated them mm-hmm. and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. Okay, the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. This is talking about the crossing of the or the Red Sea. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. They said, wow, God rescued us, delivered us. Wow, we're, we're in good shape here. Wow, what a mighty God he is. But then soon after that, it says they, verse 13, they soon forgot his works. Yeah, amazing. They go into the wilderness about three days, and they're griping and they're complaining about how bad things are. And they just gone through the miracle of the Red Sea. And we here's forget what he, so quickly. He, yeah, and here's what it says, the last part of verse 13, Psalm 106. They did not wait for his counsel. They and rushed ahead. They, they rushed ahead, and they lost it exceedingly in the wilderness and tested mm-hmm. God in the desert. Yeah. He gave them their request, but he sent leanness to their soul. Mm-hmm. But not waiting for his counsel. That means there that they did not take time to... to Wait for the Wait Lord's on the Lord. word. And, and and it also means they did not adhere to his counsel. And so stick to it. or They did not stick yeah. to mm-hmm. what the Lord was saying to them. Uh, they grew weary. They, they went on their emotions. They went on their feelings. They went on what everybody else was saying to them. And so they didn't wait on the Lord. And, you know, talking about waiting, the final, final wait, the thing that we're actually must endure now to the end is for the return of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so in Second Peter chapter, chapter 2, verse 16, he goes deeply into all of that. Now, he says, first of all, he starts out, he says, we didn't tell you about cunningly devised fables. We didn't make this up. We were eyewitnesses. We saw what was going on. We saw it with our own eyes so that they have a little bit of an advantage because they saw the majesty of God. They saw the glory of God. But now he's saying, guys, don't give up. You've got to, you've got to realize this is for sure. This is a for sure deal going to happen. Just like we're shocked. As some of the things that have happened to us, how could that happen? But, you know, really, it's not that shocking if you look at how the Lord has told us the kind of the general outline of what is going to happen. And so he says they didn't devise, follow, devise, make up these stories, 
He says, we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. They, they knew it. They were eyewitnesses of his glory. It wasn't something Satan could fake them out and give them a, a, a lying sign and wonder and fire from heaven that they were going to be uh, corrupted and removed from the truth. Um, so he says, the coming of the Lord draws nigh. So the waiting for, for that coming really is almost over, actually. Um, and in Second First Thessalonians, he says, when they say to you, peace and safety... So we're kind of getting lulled into a place of mediocrity or every day and nothing is important and everything as is, as it is. Trusting that, in ourselves and our, in, in and, our, and our everyday ability. routines right. and in the stock market and in our you know ability. We can go to the store and buy our food and everything will be there when we need it, when we want it. And if we want to go play, we can play and everything's right there. That's peace and safety. Um, waiting then, you know, becomes, you know, I don't know pointless, I guess, because that we don't need to wait. We have everything we want. But Paul says in that scripture, he says, then comes sudden destruction as labor pains upon a pregnant woman who, by the way, has been waiting for nine months. And now there is no escape. She's either going to have to deliver a baby or die. There's that's bottom line. That baby has got to come out. The deliverance has to happen. So, but she has been waiting for nine months doing whatever, you know, maybe eating well and taking care of herself, or maybe even at some points early on in the pregnancy, not even believing she's really pregnant. But she is, and there is a time of delivery. Um, though, so he says, therefore, um, going back to Peter, he says, because we have been enlightened and warned you and are not ignorant of the outcomes of what's going to happen here. Let us not sleep as others do. Well, that's actually Thessalonians as well. Let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch, be sober, putting on what? The breastplate of faith and love. Here we go with that word faith again. Faith is knowing um, your heart. The breastplate covers the heart. Your feelings are covered with faith, confidence in God, knowing that God does not lie, and knowing that we are loved. So it will calm our fears. The only thing that will really calm your fears and get you well is knowing that you are loved by God and knowing that you know it. The helmet then, and, and he says, that, let the, um, putting on the breastplate of faith and the helmet of, of hope, the hope of your salvation. So the helmet then covers our mind to bring us into the confidence that we are saved and that we're going back and we're going to make it safely back to heaven, the place where we came from, even though... Our eyes have not yet seen it, nor our ears have not yet heard it. We are entering back into the fullness of who we are um, and where we've come from. It's like I said, like that journey. So, And then, then Peter goes on to say, but, but the, the sign, one of the signs of his coming is of the scoffing. The people who are done waiting, sick of waiting, making fun of those who are waiting, making fun of those who still believe. The scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? You know, we're tired of waiting. Uh, it's the owner of the house. He's been gone too long. It's too late. We're going to go now. He's not coming back. Let's go do what we want to do. Let's go beat up the servants and let's go eat out of his refrigerator. Let's do whatever we want to do. Promise the promises of the prophets and the word um, are delayed, it seems. And so we go and do our own thing. He says, they say, all things continue as they were from the beginning. Nothing has changed. You know, nothing's going to happen. You who believe in the rapture, you who believe in the return of the Lord, you're kind of weird. You're kind of like, you know, not in reality. Yeah, we've been hearing this, that Jesus is coming for so long and he hasn't come yet. And so 
Is he really going to come? Well, so, okay, so then we go on. Um, Peter, again, he says in verse chapter 3, verse 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So there is a process, there is a plan here. This delay, this waiting, this excruciating uh, pain and and, and difficulty where we're fighting the demons of bitterness and and exhaustion and weariness and unbelief, there is a purpose, and that is that no one should perish, that all should come to repentance. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, going back to the revelation and and admonition Jesus gave us, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Here will be your climate change, people. This will be a sudden climate change. The elements will melt with fervent heat, Both the earth and the works that are in it will burn up. All of your wonderful, beautiful, our our Taj Mahals and our beautiful everything and our gorgeous this and our exquisite that and our fine bridges and our towns and cities and skyscrapers, everything is going to burn up and melt as if it had never been there. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, literally the word dissolved, melted, what manner of persons ought you to be in all in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved? Whoa, even the heavens are going to be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements melt with fervent heat. He's saying, what, 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 how should we behave? What should we be doing? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. So what are you supposed to be waiting for, looking for? Looking for the return of Jesus Christ, the new heavens, the new earth, being reconnected with heaven, being making it safely home to heaven. Therefore, looking forward to these things here in your waiting, be diligent to be found in him, by him in, in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation as also the beloved Paul told his people. This is Peter writing, of course. So this is there is a purpose in the waiting to be found spotless, to be found diligent, to be found um, waiting in righteousness and in joy, rejoicing that there's a this is all worth the wait. The you know. yeah, it's worth the wait, of course. And Jesus said in Matthew ten twenty two, he says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. There's a, there's a despising of the true people of God that's just in, seems to be increasing in our day. But he said, but he who endures to the end mm-hmm. will be saved. He says, don't fall. Don't. He says, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. In other words, beware lest you become weary in well-doing, become discouraged, join with the scoffers. Do not separate yourself now from the scoffers. Separate yourself now from the, the fake Christians, the ones who say, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these wonderful things in your name? And they haven't done anything except impress themselves and deceive others. This is, we need be separated unto him. Touch not the unclean thing. Come out from among it. If you are in these places, even in these places of worship that are not genuine and your spirit is beginning to tell you that and you're beginning to listen, take heed so that you can wait with purity, simplicity, hope, joy, rejoicing, and not have to be exhausted trying to be okay. And when when we're talking about endurance here, it's not a matter of, oh, I got to just 
tough it out and hang in there and, oh, man, it's so hard. No, it means to wait courageously, you know, just with with good courage, with, with joy even. And, and in Luke chapter 18, you know, too, with, as far as praying, what Jesus said, he spoke a parable to this end that men ought always to, to pray, pray and, and not, not to, to lose heart, oh, yeah. not to give up. In other words, to persist, to persevere. And so perseverance is, is so important. And he, he said in uh, Luke chapter 18, the last part of verse 8, um, he, he's going to answer speedily. The answer is going to come like we talked about in Second Kings chapter 6 and, mm-hmm. and 7. The answer came so quickly. Sometimes it seems to be delayed, but God is hearing. When we're crying out to God, He's, he's hearing. He's hearing. Mm-hmm. He's answering. He's working, even if we can't see it. That's why we right? have faith. Faith That's knows. Faith says, "I know you hear me." It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and based on the word of God, based, based on, on the, the fact. Mm-hmm. Faith is a fact. Faith is a fact. Jesus, the word of God is full of promises prophetic words some of which have already been uh, brought to pass and now we're we're moving into the very exact words of peter paul jesus john about the scoffers coming another sign of his coming actually is the scoffers and so we're not going to grow weary and give up because it doesn't feel good or because it's too long because that's the whole trick of the enemy to get you to go into your soul and to process all of this stuff through your mind, through your logic, through your reasoning, through reality, through religion, to process all of this data through your soul, which is in, it's, um, it's uh, inefficient. It's not able to give you the right calculation, calibration, conclusion, because it's faulty. We have to walk in the Spirit. God, Jesus said, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The last part of Luke 18, 8 from the Amplified Bible says, when the Son of Man comes, mm-hmm. will he find persistence in faith on the earth? Yeah, will he really find faith on the earth? Well, you know, it depends on which... You know, he's coming several times more. Did you know that he's not just coming once? He's, not, he's coming again, but his coming again has two or three different phases to it. And so is he going to find faith in the first batch of people, the first fruits that he's coming to get? That's us. Is he going to find uh, reverent faith, rejoicing, resting? Is he going to find us um, encouraging others, loving them? He says, they will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another in the last days when everybody's fighting over the the, the lack of things or, you know, needing food or uh, whatever. Are we going to be willing to lay down our life, give them comfort, love them? Uh, show the love of God, or are we going to be grabby and 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 take for ourselves and be selfish and fearful? I, this is part of the faith He's looking for to be like Him, to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. I'm looking for more miracles in these last days. I'm looking for a great awakening, not a revival, you know, because I'm looking for the the final harvest is what I'm looking for, and that includes people who will wake up. If you are half awake. Get awake, wake up, get out of bed. It is time to lift your hands, praise the Lord, open your eyes, read your Bible, and make some changes. If you have to make changes in your routine and the way you look at things, if you allow your mind and your heart to process too much of your life, you need to switch over to your spirit so you can have a consistent confidence in knowing that God does not lie. And we must 
hear the word of the Lord, and we get to hear the word of the Lord. He has promised to speak to us, and I just wanted to share this, Marjorie, today. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1, starting there. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart to watch to see what he will say to me. Mm-hmm. This is where each of us need to be putting ourselves in that place. We're watching to see what he says, not just to hear what he says to us, not just what he, to hear what he says to us, but to see what Amen. he says to us. So it's like a revelation when God speaks to you, when you know it's God, and you know, people say, oh, God told me to do this. You know, we hear so much of this um, foolishness that, mm-hmm. you know, God told me this and God told me that. But when we really hear from the Lord. And encourage one another, too, in the hearing yeah, of the Lord. So he will he will give us a vision. For some of you, God has given you a vision. But the vision is for an appointed time. Mm-hmm. For today. Verse, mm-hmm. Habakkuk 2, verse 3. You, I ask you to just read that today. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait, wait for, for it. it. Because Amen. it will surely come, it will not tarry. God does not fail. He does not lie. And he surely will come. Father God, we look to you. We rest upon you. Your word is your word. And we read your word. We have opportunity to read your word for ourselves, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let it be rightly divided to us that we won't take in the indoctrination that we will be delivered from indoctrination and the theologies of man and will read your word with pure eyes and hearts to understand it. Father, I pray you encourage those who are waiting that they'd use this precious time. This is not to be wasted. Nothing. Time is the most precious thing. We are not going to kill time. We're going to use the time for the glory of God to occupy until you come to do what you have asked us to do. And your spirit will cause us to be faithful to do that which you've called us to do. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.